Good morning. You guys doing good? How many of you still like the rain? Be honest, you're still enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Colorado. We're used to a lot of sunshine, so it's a little different for us. But you got to enjoy it, right? It's not going to last forever. So uh, take it in. But the sun will shine, and I think even this week, a little more than what uh, it has been. We are really delighted you're here. If you are new, I've met some wonderful new people this weekend who just moved to Fort Collins. And if that's you and you haven't been to Timberline very long and I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, I would love to today. I'm going to be out at the Welcome Center. Just come and say hi. I promise I won't trap you or anything or ask you any hard questions. Just love to meet new folks as they come through Fort Collins and Northern Colorado. Hey, um, let's, let's be challenged by Mark chapter 8. You know, when you go through a book in the Bible like we are right now, verse by verse, you can't skip the hard parts. And uh, Mark chapter 8 has a challenge for us today with Jesus kind of revealing some things in his nature that you don't always see. How many of you have ever been frustrated? <laughs> like in the last 10 minutes. Like, don't raise your hand. That would mean it happened here. We don't want that. Um, we all live with certain amounts of frustration from just traffic to something not working right to you know, trying to teach somebody. How many of you have tried to teach somebody something and they just were a little slow in getting it, right? And just couldn't. And, and you, it's easy to get frustrated when you have knowledge that they don't have and you're trying to help them. Like, have you ever taught anyone to drive a car <laughs> with a clutch? And you say, let it out real slow. <laughs> slow. These, these are, you know, earthly challenges and they're, they're real, but... Um, do you think Jesus was ever frustrated? Okay, yeah, he was. It's okay. It's okay, he was. Did he ever sin? No, he never did sin, so keep that in mind with some of the remarks I'm going to make today. I don't think he ever fell into sin, but I'm going to read some stuff today that shows his serious agitation. We know of one account when he actually made a little whip and went into the temple court where they were ripping people off and he turned over the tables and ran them out of there. Was he angry? Yeah. Can you be angry without it becoming a sin? Yeah. Can you be angry and it becoming a sin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where that line is, I don't know, but uh, it's, a, it's a challenge. And so I guess I want to just invite you on a journey with me today in these few moments to really take a look at what frustrates God. And I ask the question, do you get it? Do you get it? Do I get it? Do we understand? Did the disciples get it? Because they didn't. And I want to start with the point, the first point I have down here is the downside of our human nature. The downside of our human nature, we are all human beings. God sent his son Jesus who was fully God and fully man. So that was very unique, but we don't have the fully God part. We have been renewed in our mind, the Bible says, when we invite Jesus into our lives, we become a new creature, a new creation. So we have the Spirit to help lead and guide us, but we still live in a body with a human nature. And that human nature will battle temptation as long as we live in this body. 
So, so keep that in mind as we walk through this. What must it have felt like for Jesus to put himself in a, in a body like ours, being fully God, and then all of a sudden being limited in this body with muscle and tissue and aches and soreness and trying to sleep, and he had to have moments when he's like, I can't wait to get out of this body. <laughs> How many of you have those moments now? You know, yeah, I want a new body. The downside of the human nature. Let me just read. I'm not going to actually read the first 11 verses. I'm going to, if you have a Bible and you want to leave it open to Mark 8, 1 through 21 is where we're going. But I just want to tell you the first part of the story. They have another group of people who have followed them out into this wilderness area. It's desolate out there. And Jesus has been teaching them for about three days. They brought food with them. But Jesus says, hey, they're running out of food. Do you guys have any food to, to the disciples? How many of you remember a few weeks ago, Mark chapter 6? Okay, just two chapters back, this is a different story, a different group of people. That had 5,000 men plus women and children. This is 4,000 men plus women and children. And it's the same author telling us the story. So we know it's a different group, a different moment. But it's just two chapters back. So when Jesus says, do you have food? The disciples immediately say, oh, no, are you crazy? We're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no food here. We have just a few, a few loaves of bread. Not one disciple said, hey, why don't you do that thing you did last time? Did they forget? Did they just not remember? And finally, Jesus, I think he's trying to get them to remember. And he says, well, do you have any loaves? And they're like, well, we have a few and a few fish. And he starts breaking it. And then I think, you know, they kind of lit up like, oh, we're doing this again. You know, Jesus sat them down in groups. How many times in your life do you forget the provision of God? How many times am I just going about my day worrying about some little thing when I know and I should know God's got this? He's got my kids and my grandkids. He's got this. What am I worried about? God has proven himself over and over and over. And yet sometimes he doesn't even notice my list for him. Because that is sometimes what our human nature does. Now hear me, this is important. Our human nature somehow equates the love of God with doing our list. Because on earth, that's how we show people we love them, by helping them, reaching out, extending, reminding, loving them. You you know, if you're married 20 years and you haven't said to your spouse, I love you because you said it on wedding day, that's not good enough. Right? Yeah, some of you are pretty passionate about that. Why? Because we need that reassurance. Our human nature needs this reassurance. So Jesus feeds everybody. They have seven baskets of leftovers. How many last time? Twelve. There's plenty of food. That's the point that I want you to see is God is a God of provision. He does it again. He has people sit down. He distributes the food. All is well. And when everyone has eaten and it's all over, the disciples get into a boat and they go to another place. And when they step out of the boat, there's another group of people who are worse. And, and this dilemma gets really bad right here because 
Jesus, I think he's frustrated a little bit with his disciples because no one noticed that he provided before. No one even mentions it. Our human nature needs that reassurance. And so I think it's in his mind. And maybe that's why he's a little short-fused when he gets off the boat. Second point is this. Hung up on miracles. Again, this is another action that God can do for us and sometimes we require it in order to believe, and that's a problem. And so Jesus gets out of the boat, and, and the Pharisees come. Now, who are the Pharisees? You have to know who they are in order to understand this story. They're very religious. They're very intelligent. They're brilliant minds. They've memorized so much of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, they memorized like by the time they're six years old. They, they are very disciplined. The problem is that they judge everyone else. It's like an elitism group. They have their own rules. They're very legalistic. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like, you follow our rules. They added to God's rules. And stupid things, just stupid things. They, they forbid a woman to look in the mirror on the Sabbath because she might find a gray hair and pluck it out, and that's work. So that would be a sin. Now, that's not in the Bible, but that was in the pharmaceutical law book. Stuff like that. So, so they, they were really hard to please. And so when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and they started to argue with him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. And this is really interesting. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. <laughs> That's funny. He's God. Do you think God is insecure enough to fall for that? Oh, you don't believe I'm God? Oh, let me convince you. Now just think about what's happening here. Mere men want to see a miracle in order for them to be convinced that this truly is the Son of God. Can I just say, God doesn't need you to believe in him he wants you to believe in him, but he is God whether you believe in him or not. And that is just a premise that we have to get right in order to understand the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And so these guys didn't get it. And when Jesus heard this, when they came at him with this, listen to this language. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my version. You don't have to accept it. You can read it however you want. But it says he sighed, verse 12, he sighed deeply in his spirit. Like, <sighs> how many of you have done that before? Why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? He's already done tons of miracles. I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back in the boat and left. <laughs> Is he mad? Is he frustrated? Or maybe, maybe you have Jesus sort of spiritualized to the place where you say, like he said, I'm not in the mood to give a sign, but we'll see you later. God bless. And he gets in the boat. I don't think so. I think he's really frustrated. Why do these people keep looking for a miracle to believe that I am the Messiah? Where is faith? That's a question for us today. Where is my faith? Or do I land in this, this same place of trying to make God prove himself to me so I will believe in him? I, I think he's disappointed. 
I think he's disappointed in these people who have so much in their mind, so much knowledge of Scripture, but they don't have an open place in their heart for the truth about who he is and what he really came to do. I don't want to live like that. And sometimes I fear that, that I do. I fear that we do. I fear sometimes that we sort of test God, like if you really loved me, you would do this for me. If you really cared about me, you would do. Can I just, is it okay if we just live in such a way that we have no expectation from God to do anything for us, but we just love him because he's God and we're his sons and daughters? There's nothing worse to a parent than a kid having an expectation that they're gonna pay for everything in their life. They're gonna provide everything in their life. You like to see your kids grow up and be responsible human beings, right? And so I think God does do stuff for us. And so I'm not saying he doesn't or he won't. I'm just saying don't make your relationship with God contingent upon what he does for you. That's not why he came. He came so that you could have eternity with him, so that you could experience forgiveness in your spirit. And sometimes we're, you know, our prayer list is all about us. And it's not about anyone else. And that hurts God. You know, when my biggest concern is an upgrade to my stereo in my car, that's not a very, very big vision in a, God, in a God sense. Nothing wrong with a nice stereo, but you, you understand what I'm saying? By the way, I am so proud of you. I mean this. I had a big compliment from someone in our community a few weeks ago who is not a God believer at all. Um, they would identify themselves as an atheist. And I'm always amazed at how, how much atheists like to talk about God. It was interesting. <laughs> but, but they made the comment, um, we really appreciate Timberline in this community. And they said, well, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, you guys do so much stuff for people. You've, you've really impact, you're, you're always, matter of fact, they said to this, they said, you know, I don't go to any church, but when I used to, it was all about me, and even churches get ingrown, and Timberline is the most out-servicing church I've ever been a part of, and I wanna say thank you, because that's making a difference in our city, it is. That's. That's why our kids raised $8,000 for, you ought to see the group of children down the Amazon River, you can only get there by boat. These, these kids don't know what a TV is. They don't know what, this is no technology. This is, this is like something on National Geographic that you, you see. These kids, th we're the only Jesus they're gonna get. But that's why we go there. Let's have a vision that's bigger than my little world. How long has it been since you wept over your neighborhood? Since you interceded, since you prayed for people who don't know the truth about God? Is your, is your vision bigger than your need and what you want and what you feel and what all we see is what we don't have so many times? And I think God is trying to teach us and Mark is writing this down so that we can see how shallow these religious, do a miracle so we can trust that you're God, do it, do it for us, show us, come on, show and tell. God doesn't want to have any part of that. Beware of the yeast, number three. Beware of the yeast. Now, yeast is kind of a, a fun thing. I, I had a class in high school uh, that was probably the most 
meaningful class I had in all of high school called Bachelor Survival. <laughs> Saved my life for a few years before I married Bonnie, but we learned how to sew on buttons and we learned how to bake stuff. We baked bread. I'll never forget when we did the yeast thing and we put it in the dough and it was like this big. And the next day when we came to class, it was like this big and the yeast did its thing. And, and yeast is a very big deal. It affects every part of the bread and you can't take it out. And, and so Jesus is using this idea of yeast in a sense of saying, Herod, the Pharisees, these religious people have bad yeast. They're hypocrites. They're self-righteous. Um, all of these things that he, he's going to talk to them about later, but he's going to plant a seed. But they completely miss it. And this is hilarious. I know I see humor you don't see in the Bible, but this is really funny, but it's really too bad it's so sad. In verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. When they got back on the boat, they left the Pharisees, they get in the boat. They only had one loaf of bread with them, and I think this worried them because how long were they going to be out there? And probably a disciple said, you guys get any other food? No, we left it all there with the people. Oh, well, let's hope no one gets hungry and all this. And so they only had this one loaf as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them. Now keep in mind, Jesus' mind is on this Pharisee moment when they're asking him to, and he says, hey, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. We've talked about Herod. In other words, um, I'm gonna teach you about this, but you need to be aware of this. Well, the minute he said yeast, they thought of bread, and they thought he was, he was basically getting after them for not bringing any food. <laughs> they missed the whole point. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. And I can just see him going, did you bring more? He's talking about yeast. He knows we didn't bring food. We're not prepared. He's mad at us. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, and again, this is on top of the frustration of the Pharisees, look at this language. Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are, you, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes you can't see. You have ears you can't hear. Don't you remember anything at all? Wow. Wow. Yikes. Maybe he didn't say it like that at all. You put your voice and your tone to it, okay? It's still harsh. <laughs> no matter what tone you put to it. It's harsh, and he's frustrated. And why is he frustrated? Because they don't see a bigger picture than this little argument about whether they brought bread or not. And Jesus is trying to get them to see their neighborhood. He's trying to get them to see the kids on the Amazon. He's trying to get them to see the world, the countries, the people groups that have never heard the name Jesus. But they're just focused on my little world and can I get to work today and am, am I going to stop at the store later and what do I need and what do I need and God, please help me, help me. I'm not frustrated, just so you know. I'm frustrated at me sometimes because my view is so small and I get so self-centered that I forget to pick my head up and see what God wants to show me. And that's why Jesus is frustrated he talks about yeast because he, know, he knows what's coming. He knows that this hypocrisy is going to get into the church. It's going to be spiritual pride. It's going to be self-righteousness. 
I do this, I'm so good, I deserve the grace of God, I deserve the mercy of God, prove it to me, God, prove it to me, God. That's, that's the Pharisee lifestyle. I don't want that lifestyle. He doesn't want you to have that lifestyle. But let me tell you something, yeast spreads, and it spreads from your actions and your words, your deeds, everything you do spills over into someone else's life. Your little world, your friends, where you work, where, what, what I bring to the table, it's yeast that goes everywhere. Have you, ever, have you ever, you know, with all the rain, we haven't had the water much, but the fertilizer, have, have you ever seen those little contraptions that you can buy them as a roller, but you can also buy them as a, like a hand crank, and you put seed in it or fertilizer in it, and it even has, comes with a little strap, so if you want to put it on you, you walk around. I've, I've seen people walking around the yard doing this. What are they doing? They're spreading it out all over so that it gets everywhere. That's what yeast does. And our lives have a spreader attached. And if we know that, then we can be careful to make sure what we're spreading is good stuff and good fertilizer and helps the soil and nurtures people and helps grow them. And it's not self-centered stuff that just wants more. So yes, Jesus is frustrated. And finally, he has this moment with his disciples where he just kind of lays it all out there. And that is point number four. God is a God of provision. He really is. And this is in verse 19. So he's, he has, he's challenged them. He's said some pretty harsh remarks, but now he's going to teach them and he's going to try to get to the bottom of it, of what they don't understand. And he says, when I fed the 5,000, remember back then, with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? And they said, 12. And when I fed the 4,000, this is men plus women and children, with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? They said, seven. Don't you understand yet? In other words, food is not the problem. <laughs> We fed all of those people both of those times and we had leftovers. I can provide. You don't need to be fighting in the boat about food. I'm on this earth for a bigger reason than that. And you need to get it. There's coming a day when I'm not gonna be here and I can't help you, but you're gonna see the Pharisees, you're gonna see Herod, you're gonna see these people put me on a cross and kill me. I'm going to lay my life down. I want you to be ready. You guys, this would, be, this would be a challenge for you and me to say, how mature am I as a believer? Some of you who are brand new in, in your faith, you know, you could be really dependent on God and you look to him for everything and you can't make a decision without him. I get that. But a mature believer lives their life honorable and in the ways of Scripture and then God comes across our paths as we just do life. I want to believe that I can walk with God and walk in obedience with him without him doing a bunch of stuff for me all the time. You say, well, he does do a bunch of stuff for you all the time. Yes, he does, and I know that. But I don't need to ask him for piddly stuff. I want to have the maturity in my life to care about the things that are bigger than me and my stuff. I want you to see a bigger picture in your world, your neighborhood, those you work with, so that we have vision as a church to reach out, to go beyond what is even possible. 
That's where we need the Spirit. That's where we need the guidance. God can provide, and he does. And Jesus is trying to help them understand that he has already proven that part of it. God is gonna meet your needs. So now, can we focus on the bigger things in our lives? So I, I'm gonna challenge you to practice a few things this week, okay? I, I have, this is kind of an application to this message with the frustration of Jesus. And this will, this will determine whether I get it or not. The first one is, will I recognize my human nature this week? Will, will I, I don't know if you need a sticky note somewhere to just do these three things. See, the good thing about, about preparing a message is we have to turn our outlines in a week before, and so I'm, you know, I've been thinking about all this for a long time, and so I've been able to try to practice some of these things in my own life. And I'm telling you, it's not easy, because there have been times you know, <laughs> this past week where I've thought, boy, my human nature is pretty big. I really don't see too much good in this, or I'm, I'm, I'm really selfish about something, or I get my feelings hurt over some piddly thing that shouldn't even affect me. You know what I mean? And, and so my human nature gets in the way. And I want to challenge you to think about, you always have to deal with your human nature, but God has put more in you than that, that self. And you have a spirit man in you that can be quickened. Even when Jesus left, he said, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you. The Spirit lives in you to help you day by day. The paraclete, the one who walks with us, beside us. I'm yoked to God. So I, I don't have to be trapped by my human nature. And then the second thing is just, what yeast do I leave behind? What, what difference does it make when your presence is in the room? What happens in the room when you are there? What do you bring to the table? What is your conversation like? How, how are you a blessing? Or are you work? <laughs> are you work for people? Oh boy, we gotta, we gotta put up with that again. The last thing is just, am I living with gratitude? It's huge. Our world is getting so self-centered. I'm not kidding. It, it just boggles my mind how entitled people have become in thinking they deserve everything when they don't. I don't. But what I have and what I've been given, I wanna be really grateful for it. I wanna have an attitude that says, Lord, your blessing is very real in my life and I recognize it. And in these last days, I've had a real challenge. Um, it's emotional, sorry if I get weird, but I've been, I've been really emotional about some of you this weekend. I think God put a little, a little something in my heart that, that needs to ask you a question and pray over you. Some of you feel like your life is a disappointment to God. It's what the disciples were dealing with in the boat. They were going like, oh, he's mad at us. Oh, he's mad at us. We didn't get it right, and I can't do it enough. And some of you are living with this thing of, of I'm just disappointing to God. I just can't get it right, and I don't. I know he's frustrated with me. Could, could all of you just bow your heads for a moment, just in a private moment here? 
I'm going to pray over you. Those of you that feel like your, your life is disappointing to God, that's a really heavy blanket to have on you. And I want to get that off of you today. I'm going to ask you, not, I, don't, I don't keep track of who raises their hands ever, but just for your sake, if you know that's you and you're going you're gonna to give God a moment to do some surgery on you, would you just put your hand up and back down saying, that's me, that's exactly me. You can put them right back down. God bless you. All across this room, brothers and sisters, hear me. Me saying God's not disappointed with you is not going to be the answer. What the answer is is that you will open your heart with just a little window and let the Holy Spirit heal that hurt. You're not a disappointment to God. You are his creation. You say, but you don't know. You, I, you don't understand. I know I don't. He has forgiven you for every failure you will ever have for the rest of your life. He loves you. He wants to partner with you. So I'm going to pray. you got to be open. Lord, for those who struggle with this blanket of shame or whatever it is where they just live with this worry that they're, they're disappointing to you, they're just not enough, show them you are enough. Show them that's why they need you. Show them that you are a real force in their life and that you have come to give them life and hope and the divine nature through the Spirit of God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just rip this blanket back off of my brothers and sisters and let them see a bigger picture than themselves. One last thing I want to say with your heads bowed. What we do is we limit God by what our limitations are. And, and if you probably couldn't forgive someone for doing the things you've done, then, then you don't think God can forgive you. And God isn't limited to your knowledge or your understanding or your logic or your reasoning. He's God. So let him in today. Let him in. Let him heal you. Let him move you to a new place where you see beyond your weaknesses and your tendencies and you see the world in a different way. Lord, I ask this in your mighty name. Your mighty name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys a lot. I'm sure pulling for you. I really am. It's not going to get any easier. Our world is a, it's a desperate place. But God is our hope. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He is our hope. Let's believe on him. Let's lean hard into him. We're going to sing one last song together. And I want you to really just sing it out. It's a testimony of what we are to the world. And then we, when we sing a couple lines of the verse, I want you to think about in light of this message the words of this song. So stand if you're able, would you, and let's declare it.
on, sing these words out. Savior, he can move the mountains. He can move the mountains. Our God is mighty to save. Yes, he is. Praise God. Our, our prayer team, would you guys come and be available? Some of you have made some pretty big uh, steps today, and maybe you just need to have someone pray over you and kind of seal the deal. That's why they're up here, and so please let that happen. Some of you maybe don't get in a hurry to get out of here. If God's really touched you and you need to just sit back down and linger a little bit, do that as well, all right? But let love live. Say it with me. Let love live. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.